Welcome to Addicted to Busy, the podcast specifically for overachieving property managers who are dying for a little more work-life balance in their lives. Each week, we dismantle all the BS that holds us back. You'll learn how to nix those tricky, self-sabotaging habits so that you have the time, energy, and motivation to create what you really want in life. If you're looking to shift from overcommitted to overjoyed, this is the podcast for you. Let's do this. Now, your host, Anna Havalyana. Hello, and welcome back to Addicted to Busy. I am so happy and relieved to be back here with you again this week. As you may have noticed, I missed an episode in March, and that is because we experienced a family emergency. I had some things come up. I had to make a few changes to my schedule, and I wanted to be there for my family. Now, I will say that a big part of why I was able to get the time that I needed was partially because I am now self-employed. But just like property management, that doesn't necessarily mean that my work didn't need to get done. And one skill that I am so thankful that I now have is that I no longer dilly-dally. If you are a regular listener of the podcast, you may have heard me refer to the dilly-dally refractory period, which is just a silly made-up term for the time that we waste getting started on certain tasks. I know that the term seems a little bit silly, but once you start becoming aware of how much time you waste just getting unstarted things, you start to want to use that time better. So alongside navigating a family emergency, I was in charge of planning one of my best friend's bachelorette party. And this was a destination trip that included a couple of moving pieces and there was a lot to get done. So another thing that I'm very, very thankful for is that I gave myself a pretty big gift by being ahead of the game on planning that party. One of the reasons why I was able to be fully present with my family over that weekend was because I wasn't scrambling to get things done in my business and I wasn't scrambling to get things done for the bachelorette party. I do a pretty good job of getting things done before they actually need to be done. And a big piece of that is getting control of that dilly-dally refractory period. So In light of that, I had an amazing time on this particular trip, and there were some pieces of it that I really wanted to share with you. Now, I've had a handful of bachelorette parties that I've been to, and I've had a relatively hit or miss experience with all of them. You really get to see the dynamic between women play out at these events. I remember a few years back, I was at a bachelorette party and I overheard someone who I didn't know at the time talking to one of her friends. We're talking about one of their friends who was posting on Instagram and she said, oh gosh, she's posting about her workout again. And her friend quickly chimed in and was like, yeah, it's like people who post pictures of their food. No one wants to see that. And I overheard this and I immediately went to my phone and realized that most of my recent posts were CrossFit lifts that I had done in the gym. Remember after hearing those two girls say that, just how very, very insecure I felt around them. I remember there was this other bachelorette party that I went to and there were two girls there who were doing all that they could 
to just prove that they were the bride's most loyal friend. It was kind of sad to watch because it detracted from everyone's enjoyment of the weekend. There was another bachelorette that I went to where I remember there were these two women who were basically just rattling off their husband's resumes in some really strange one-upping game that I clearly didn't understand. And I also wasn't exactly sure what they win if they proved that they had the better husband. I mean, to me, it seemed like they both loved their husbands, so why not just leave it at that? But this bachelorette that I went on wasn't at all like any of those former ones because there was a complete absence of comparison. There was no one-upping, there was no resume rattling, and there was no Instagram account critique. Instead, it was a group of seven amazing women who are all flawed and who could honestly and openly admit that they were both amazing and flawed all at the same time. So today, what I want to talk to you about is the way that you talk about others and potentially the way that you talk about yourself, because it does have a huge impact on your experience of yourself. It also affects others' experience of you. And it really plays a big factor in the vibe that you contribute to in a group setting. So to kick this off, I want to talk about the movie Mean Girls. For those who haven't seen it, let me just set the stage real quick. Katie, played by Lindsay Lohan, is this new girl in some high school in Illinois. And she had just arrived in America from Africa. So she's not entirely privy to girl code. There's a scene in the lunchroom where Katie is invited to sit down at Regina George's table. Now, Regina is the queen bee at school. She is popular, she's rich, and she is covertly malicious. So the two of them are seated at the table when Regina says to Katie, but you're like really pretty. And Katie says, thank you. Regina takes the opportunity to make a dig and she chimes back saying, so you agree, you think you're really pretty. Ouch. Has anyone ever been here? Sadly, I have. (laughs) This was probably over 10 years ago and I promise you I have moved on from it, but it still is a little bit sad to repeat. There was one evening we were getting ready to wrap up our day of work and close the office, and a small group of us from the office were going to go to happy hour together. I was hanging out with one of my friends from work, and we were watching a YouTube video on her phone when a text message came in asking about plans for the night. The text message also said something to the effect of, I really hope that Anna doesn't come. She thinks she's so pretty. It was awkward, and I remember I ended up not going that night. My friend whose phone we were viewing the YouTube video on was super kind to me in the days following, but I was very confused. As girls, we had all spent so much time having fun getting ready together. In essence, getting pretty together. Wasn't that the point? wasn't prettiness one of the ways that we bonded as friends. But why not show up as beautiful? Heck, it's not even just about being pretty. You could insert any adjective you want. 
what's so wrong about owning your identity as someone who is smart or brave or frugal or healthy? When I saw that text, I remember how much that comment stung. And because of that, I became overly self-conscious and started showing up as less of myself. I didn't want to take up too much space in the group or call too much attention to myself. As a repercussion of that, so much of my mental energy went to just trying to not stand out when it really should have been going to being present and having fun with my friends. I remember I felt this same ping when I took a job in commercial management. I started my career in residential management and over to move into commercial, I had to be willing to take a title demotion. I was willing to do that because I wanted the experience. At the time, most commercial companies did not want to hire a residential property manager. And understandably so, there is a learning curve. Because of that, I was putting out resume after resume after resume that was getting no response. Now, lucky for me, I was heavily involved in local property management associations. So I was really fortunate that I had a strong network of people who had seen my work ethic because of all of the volunteer work that I'd done. So I really leaned on those networks, and eventually, that was how I made my switch over into commercial management. Now, I remember when I first started that new job, there was a person who was not particularly thrilled that I was there, and they were not shy about showing it. It was evident from the day I started working that they believed they should have the job and not me. Come to find out, this person had never even applied for the position when it came open. They just assumed that it would be given to them without having to express their interest in the position. I remember there was one day I was in the office and this person was speaking to someone else, but they said something loud enough for me to hear. I wish I could just volunteer and then get a job I have no experience in. Again, ouch. (laughs) Their feelings about me were pretty clear. But the reality is, yeah, that is exactly why I volunteered in those organizations. Being involved in industry organizations such as your local apartment association or IREM, BOMA, IFMA, first of all, they help you create numerous connections with vendors, which you need. (laughs) This is property management and shit goes wrong all of the time. You need to have a strong network of vendors. But also, you can create a very strong network of fellow property managers, which is super beneficial when you want to change your asset type or when you want to try and get a promotion or even a demotion. When my coworkers said that, they were projecting all over me. Projection is when a person takes their emotion and places it on someone else. People tend to project on one another when they have a desire or an uncomfortable feeling that they aren't capable of acknowledging on their own. If you are familiar with projection and how to identify it, it can be easy to get really frustrated when you see someone projecting onto you. And let's be clear, it's more difficult to recognize when we are projecting onto somebody else. Listen, we all do this to each other. Recognizing projection within ourselves is a very important skill to have. First and foremost, I'm going to invite you to drop the judgment around projection. 
because after all, it's merely a self-defense mechanism that we use to protect ourselves from uncomfortable emotions. This recently came up on a coaching call. A client of mine was absolutely convinced that their new counterpart was quote unquote, unqualified for the job. And as the client expressed her concerns, she started to see a pattern. As she explored her thoughts, her main complaints about her new coworker was that her coworker didn't dress appropriately and flaunted her body talked too much and was too confident. Once she started to see that her main concerns were about appearance, she started to see that none of her concerns had anything to do with the job itself. And in fact, the office was running just fine. So we had to ask some tough questions. Do you like your body? And my client said, no. Do you like the way you dress? My client said, no. Are you conversing with others as much as you want to? My client said, no. Are you confident in who you are as a person? And my client once again said, no. From there, she just released all of the judgment she held against her new coworker because she could see this is an inside job. Her coworker was more than capable of the position that she was in. It was just that my client had to do some work within herself. Learning how to recognize and address projection not only allows us to take responsibility for our own emotions, but it also helps us avoid unnecessary conflicts and misunderstandings. Some common types of projection are scapegoating, where we start to blame others for our own faults, or over-identification, where we see ourselves and others and project our own thoughts and feelings onto them. And then there's always just assuming, assuming that you know what is best for someone else, even though they are their own unique human. I'll be honest, I am no saint in this story, and I'm certainly not a victim. I too have projected my insecurities onto others. I have gossiped, I have competed, I have compared. When it comes to gossiping and cutting people down, it's another form of hitting the easy button. When we're in pain, our brain will start looking for something, anything that will make us feel better in the moment. Okay, so as a review, you know you're hitting the easy button when you're taking an action that in the moment feels great, but inevitably will make you feel like shit later. We've talked about the easy button from the context of overeating, overscrolling, overspending, but shit talking is another perfect example of trying to do something in an effort to avoid having to feel your own a negative emotion about yourself. Listen, if I am insecure about myself, it feels far better to pick on someone else's flaws than it does to do the hard work of having a come to Jesus talk with myself. But gossiping never feels good later. Not to mention, if you believe in karma, and I 100% do, that crap will definitely come back to bite you in the butt. This is tough work. This type of thought work requires pure honesty. My clients who have worked through this will tell you 
that when you get down to those bottom of the barrel thoughts that you have, the judgmental, envious ones that you have of others, it ain't pretty. But on the other side of it, they're coming into their social engagements with far more acceptance of others and of themselves. And because of that, they're experiencing far less drama and finding that more people actually want to be around them. When you come to the root issue of why you're projecting on someone else, and then you take care of that issue, you will pull a huge weight off of your shoulders. And it's not just you who gets to feel lighter. Everyone else around you gets to feel lighter as well. How you talk about yourself and how you talk about others will reverberate into how others interact with you. So often we get it wrong. We think that other people have to change in order for us to feel better, but we're all flawed humans. Your ability to accept others as they are technically has nothing to do with how that other person chooses to show up. Now, that's not to say you should be a doormat and let people walk all over you, but it is an invitation to loosen your grip on how you think others should be and start focusing on what you want to create for you. I think another big factor of our experience in either celebrating one another or cutting one another down comes from whether or not you're operating from an abundant mindset or a scarcity mindset. Stephen Covey describes it perfectly in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He says, most people see life as having only so much as though there were only one pie out there. And if someone were to get a big piece of the pie, that would mean less for everybody else. The abundance mentality is a paradigm that there is plenty out there and enough to spare for everybody. In this case, the challenging part about the scarcity mentality is that because you are so focused on what you don't have, it becomes harder to focus on anything else which can block us from seeing opportunities that are straight in front of us. When you're so focused on what your coworker has done, has achieved or received, your energy is going into them. And because of that, that's energy that you're not putting into yourself or your goals. We can also step into this same false scarcity assumption that there is only so much beauty or intelligence to go around. That somehow, if I am pretty, or I am smart, or I am perfect for this job, that that means someone else isn't, or that someone else might not have the job they deserve. But again, that is assuming that there isn't enough to go around, which isn't true. Another place I see this is when we don't want others to feel uncomfortable around our success. If you have ever had the experience of feeling underqualified or insecure or unattractive, you know that it doesn't feel good. So when someone gives you a compliment, your brain can go into this panic in the background saying, gosh, if that's true, that means I'm above them. And then that might mean that they feel insecure. And I certainly don't want anyone to feel that way around me. So better just lower myself down in order to make everyone feel comfortable. Listen, other people's feelings are their own responsibility. And there is no value in you downplaying yourself just so that others can feel comfortable. 
If anything, when you do this, you stop being an example of how to get what you want, which holds everyone back. Honestly, it is strange that something as simple as a compliment can make us feel so uncomfortable. Maybe it's because we don't want to seem arrogant or have others think that we're conceited. Or maybe it's because we don't feel deserving of positive feedback. Or that somehow accepting kind words would make us an imposter. If we go back to the example in Mean Girls, we see a perfect depiction of why it's so hard for women to accept compliments from one another. We don't say thank you when someone compliments us because we don't want to appear full of ourselves. Instead, we feel that we have to compliment that person back or downplay something else about ourselves. But I want you to think about compliments and imagine that they're gifts, gifts that we give to one another. When we turn down a compliment, we're technically being rude to the gift giver. We're taking the joy out of celebrating one another. I'm really thankful for the women in my life. I have had a lot of women cut me down over the years, but man, I have also had some amazing women who have built me up. On one of the last nights of the bachelorette party, we got dressed up, we got pretty, if you will, and we all went out to a nice dinner. For the first time, I tried on a two-piece dress, and my good friend said to me, Anna, I love that dress. It looks great on you. And I responded to her by saying, thank you. I feel really pretty. And you know what happened? I wasn't shamed for it. To the women who are listening, we have to start modeling to each other what it looks like to speak kindly to each other. And not only that, we have to model what it looks like to accept compliments without degrading ourselves or trying to downplay our strengths. It literally does not help anyone. When we start celebrating the beauty and the intelligence of all of the people around us, we eliminate the need to project our insecurities onto one another. When we come to realize that there is an infinite amount of beauty and intelligence all around us, we start inviting each other to step into it together. Did any of this resonate with you? If it did, I really want to invite you to a free one-to-one -one coaching session where, first of all, you're going to get coached for free. But second of all, we're going to talk about if the group coaching program is perfect for you. And I think that it might be. Our clients are creating some pretty amazing transformations for themselves. First of all, they're getting more time back in their day to start getting back into the hobbies that they love. But second of all, they're dropping a lot of this insecurity. They're able to show up in more authentic ways and step into the people that they want to be. So if any of this interests you, I really want to welcome you to come online and start a conversation. You can get your free coaching session at AnnaHubbleyana.com. And in that top right-hand corner, click Get Free Coaching. That's A-N-N-A-J-A-V as in Vanderpump, E-L-L-A-N-A.com. All right, my friends, I love you. Keep going. And for the record, I agree. I think you're really pretty. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Addicted to Busy. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.